And it's really clear a vegan diet is better for endurance athletes and it will result you know, in the same muscle size uh, growth and uh, in the same you know, increase in muscle strength as a non-vegan diet. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 223. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Welcome back, veggie lovers, to another episode of Veggie Doctor Radio. Today, I have a guest that's been on the show before, Dr. Layla Dagan, who is here to talk to us about her new plant-based sports nutrition course that is going to be launching soon. So if you are a plant-based athlete, or you know a plant-based athlete, you love a plant-based athlete, then I want you to listen to this episode so that you can know where to get the course and when it's going to be out. So remember that the information on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not meant to replace careful evaluation and treatment. So if you have concerns about you or your child's eating, nutrition, or growth, please consult a health professional. So Dr. Layla Dagan is a doctor turned nutritionist and personal trainer. She received her medical degree from the University of Vienna and completed her internship in the UK. Her debilitating migraines compelled her to quit her medical career. And although Layla became vegan for ethical reasons, she discovered the power of a whole food plant-based diet and healed her migraines through diet. If you want to learn more about her story, that is on episode 164. So especially if you suffer from migraines or know somebody that does, it's a really great episode and she talks about how she was able to heal her migraines. So the experience shifted her professional interest and she pursued a plant-based nutrition certificate at eCornell, part of Cornell University, and obtained a master's in science degree in clinical and public health nutrition from the University College of London. As an amateur martial artist, she takes a keen interest in sports nutrition and has developed the online plant-based sports nutrition course. So in this episode, we talk about how she feels that every athlete should consider a predominantly plant-based diet. So I would love for you to hear her take on that. How we can start to talk to coaches, personal trainers, and dietitians who are not plant-based and have not traditionally worked with vegan or plant-based athletes about plant-based diets. How do we discuss plant-based diets with them? Of course, we talk about the plant-based nutrition course. What are the biggest mistakes that athletes make in fueling themselves for their sport, plant-based athletes in particular, and what athletes find easier than they thought whenever they transition to a plant-based diet. We also talk about protein powders. Is it necessary to consume protein powders if you are a plant-based athlete? And a lot of other topics. I think that you're going to enjoy this episode. And if you are a plant-based athlete or have one in your life, I hope that you will look into Dr. Dagan's 
plant-based sports nutrition course. Veggie lovers, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you so much every single time. And if you are new to the podcast, welcome. Thank you for being here. I hope that you love it. And now on to the conversation between me, Dr. Layla Dagan. Dr. Layla Dagan, welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio. It's such a pleasure to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me back. I always enjoy being on your show. Well, this is a really hot topic because there is a lot of talk about athletes and trying to optimize nutrition and also vegan athletes. So we wanted to have this show again to talk specifically about your sports nutrition course, but let's start out with your belief that every professional athlete should consider a predominantly plant-based diet. Because that's a bold stance, given that the majority of people still feel like a plant-based diet is actually deficient or even unsafe, especially for elite athletes. So tell me more about this stance. You know, maybe 10, 20 years ago, it would have been, you know, a bold statement, but now we have plenty of evidence. I mean, when we look at nutrition science, it's really fairly young. And initially, you know, the focus was really just on malnutrition and then gradually shifted, you know, to supplements and diet-related diseases. And in the 1990s, as we know, the nutrition studies actually started to flourish. And when it comes to sports nutrition, I mean, just alone the word sports nutrition, the concept was introduced in the 1980s. So the science is really young. It is in its infancy, but it is growing. And I believe that now we actually have a better understanding of exercise physiology, nutrition, how our diet, the foods we eat, all of that, you know, how that actually affects our body and how it can help, you know, to improve athletic performance. And the evidence is clear that firstly, a plant-based diet is better for overall health and, you know, well-being. And obviously, athlete wants to be in a good shape, you know, from the beginning when they start, you know, you know, training, they need to be in a very good shape. They don't want to have any chronic health problems that can actually hinder their performance. And number two, in the last few years, there have been many studies examining the impact of a vegan diet, of a plant-based diet on endurance and strength training. And, you know, they have compared performance between vegans and non-vegans, and, you know, vegan and non-vegan athletes. And the conclusion is compelling. And it's really clear a vegan diet is better for endurance athletes and it will result you know, in the same muscle size uh, growth and uh, in the same in, you know, increase in muscle strength as a non-vegan diet. And lastly, I think we really have a large number of anecdotal evidence that you know, top athletes, they are winning competitions on a vegan diet. So I think the scientific evidence is there to support it. And uh, it just hasn't gone mainstream. So what I'm saying is not really bold. I just think we need to make it go mainstream, really. Mm -hmm. What are the components of a plant-based diet that, are, that lead, lead to an advantage in athletes? Because usually we think of animal products and we're thinking of protein, right? Everybody wants to maximize the protein and, and protein is equated with strength and speed and stamina and all of those things. So what is it about plants that can benefit athletes that we haven't been talking about usually? 
plant-based diet is high in carbohydrates and i think we forget we always uh, you know when we think of carbohydrates we are thinking of the processed carbohydrates mm -hmm. and we forget that you know fruits and vegetables legumes they are all carbohydrates and they are full of antioxidants anti-inflammatory compounds you know all these uh, vitamins and minerals all these essential micronutrients that we don't usually uh, pay attention to because as you say the focus is on protein so i think one of the reasons one of the main reasons is that you know exercise is an inflammatory event and by eating a diet which is anti-inflammatory you actually starting you know the start point is already better so and then you go you exercise uh, there's inflammation but then you go back and eat an anti-inflammatory uh, you know diet so it helps actually with the recovery as well so i think it's really down to well, I wouldn't say just carbohydrates, but the fact that a plant-based diet is anti-inflammatory and full of antioxidants. Yes, but the carbohydrates really have gotten a bad rap, haven't they? Everybody thinks it's a bad thing, but it is our fuel. It's our fuel for thinking and it's our fuel for moving. So it's really <laughs> important. I know that they there have been studies on athletes that are on a ketogenic diet and their performance can actually go down because they're not getting enough carbohydrates. So it's a very good point to mention to people that we need carbohydrates for our better performance. Definitely. I agree. Well, athletes are usually have very close relationships to coaches and dietitians and personal trainers, but these are usually the people that are telling them, eat more meat, eat more eggs, eat more chicken, eat more tuna. My husband and I have a joke from when we were in college. So we have graduated from college a long time ago. So it's been, it's been 21 years. Okay. But there was this little board next to the cafeteria where people could put their suggestions for what they wanted the cafeteria to serve. It was like, you know, the suggestion box. And we still make fun of one of the notes that was on there that we said, coach says we need to eat more tuna. <laughs> so we'll never forget coach says we need to eat more tuna. So these are the people that are telling athletes that they need to eat more animal products. How can we effectively discuss plant-based diets with them? That is a great question. Um, and, you know, as vegans, we are really passionate about, you know, not harming animals. And if it was up to us, we want everyone to go vegan like yesterday. And because often we give, you know, kind of passionate speeches why we shouldn't consume animal products. And there is a place for that. Don't get me wrong. You know, there is a setting for actually giving passionate speeches about, uh, you know, going vegan. But for the sake of animals, we also need to acknowledge that people can be at different stages of their journey and transition. And we do need to meet them where they are now. When you're talking about, you know, non-vegan coaches, fitness professionals, trainers, even dietitians. Now, we are talking about people who have been working with non-vegan athletes for years. And they have seen how these athletes, they have actually, you know, performed quite well and, uh, you know, on a non-vegan diet. So when we tell them, you know, everybody should go vegan, uh, they are, of course, skeptical and a bit defensive. That's why I really believe we need to listen to them first. You know, just give them the space to communicate their thoughts and reservations. And in my experience, once they feel that they have been heard, they are more open to listening uh, to, you know, what we have to say. And at the same time, we really need to be honest with them. Uh, you know, focus on the evidence we have, and there's plenty of evidence, and share that evidence. And we shouldn't become defensive, you know, in response to them. 
Uh, a few months ago, I was actually invited to give a guest lecture at the university in London. And the students were master's students in sports nutrition and was no vegan, only one vegetarian student. And you can imagine everybody was asking about the Game Changers. And one of the tutors, he said to me, in the movie Game Changers, it was said that you need to be 100% plant-based to be healthy and succeed as an athlete. And he just couldn't accept that. So what I told him is that, you know, the majority of people don't really need to be 100% vegan to be healthy. But there are people like myself, for example, you know, I have a health issue. As you know my story, I have migraines, so I need to be 100% vegan. And I actually need to eat a whole food plant-based diet. But the diet of most people, it doesn't really need to be like, you know, kind of 100% healthy. 90 to 95% healthy is enough. And so the truth is, you know, consuming small amounts of unhealthy foods wouldn't harm most of us. But the way I see that is that we already consume a lot of processed foods. So that doesn't leave much leeway, you know, to eat other unhealthy foods. I know it is a kind of weird, strange, funny logic, but I think, you know, it is practical and it is true. So that is what I actually said to that uh, non-vegan tutor, and he was very grateful. And after that, he was actually more open to listen to the evidence that I was presenting. And I should mention, I'm vegan for the animals. And even during that lecture, a few times, I kept mentioning that I am vegan for the animals. And as far as I was concerned, I wanted everybody in that lecture hall to go vegan. So it's really just about being honest, you know, not becoming defensive, just having an honest, open communication and conversation with each other. And I think that could help and bring us closer and also closer to what we all want, which is a vegan world. Exactly. Which I say all the time that so many of us, especially in the Western world, are so far from a completely plant-based diet. We're like on the other spectrum. It's mostly animal products, mostly very processed, ultra-processed foods. So any shift that we can make to eating more plants is going to benefit not just humans, but the planet and the animals. And you're right, there's no evidence that says it has to be 100%. Because even from studies that they've done, you know, these uh, uh, observatory studies, like the blue zones, things like that, we know that people were not 100% plant based, they were still enjoying very long, active lives. And with athletes, it's probably the same as well. So I think that's a good point in meeting people where they are, letting them tell their experience, because you're right, if somebody's like, look, I've trained elite athletes my whole life, they seem to be doing great eating their chicken and broccoli and rice, you know, so tell me about your plant based sports nutrition course, how did it come about? And who is it made for? Yes, um, the plant-based sports nutrition course, I, you know, it's really my baby. I have been working on it for more than two years. I had actually the idea just before the pandemic. Um, I gave a talk on, you know, plant-based diets for athletes. And it was really humbling to speak in a packed room. And there was a standing room only, which demonstrated that, you know, people are keen on getting evidence-based advice on how to be a vegan athlete. I mean, you know, for years, we have been talking a lot about, you know, how to transition to a vegan diet, uh, how to eat a healthy vegan diet to reverse chronic diseases. But veganism is growing. And especially after the movie Game Changers, we are seeing a new demographic. You know, people, athletes, uh, and that can be professional or amateur athletes or even hobby exercisers, fitness professionals. 
they are actually turning into a vegan diet and they want sound advice that they can trust. So that's how I came up with the idea for the course. And I started do, doing my research, you know, how do you actually create a course? How do you design it? What should be included? You know, what, which lectures should go there? You know, everything that you would make it a good quality course. And then the next challenge was really finding vegan sports dietitians and nutritionists because there aren't many. And, or maybe there are a few, but they are not visible enough. So I couldn't really find a lot of, you know, vegan sports dietitians. And in the end, um, what I did is I decided to invite vegan dietitians and provided them with the material and the academic papers and whatever else they needed to make their lecture sport specific. And, you know, I edited their work, made suggest suggestions. So it was quite a long, challenging process. But to be honest, it was so worth it. I'm really excited about the result, about the cause. And it is really for anybody who wants to learn more about plant-based sports nutrition. So athletes, any level, you know, it doesn't matter if they are professional or amateur, coaches, fitness professionals, doctors, dietitians, and there isn't any previous background needed. So we have made sure that everything is explained very well in detail so they can actually start even if they don't have any um, background in nutrition and they can follow the lectures and hopefully learn a lot. Awesome. Do you have any pediatric or adolescent topics in there? Not yet, but the course is going to be updated. And that is actually one of the areas I am looking into it. But we added a, a section on eating disorders. So I'm really happy about that because it is a common problem, you know, and it is common among athletes. We don't talk about it. So I'm really excited about that lecture. But as I said, it, the basic is there and I'm going to keep updating it. So I already have a few other ideas, what other lectures I'm going to add to it. And one of them is definitely adolescent, you know, because it is a growing uh, you know, area in sports. So yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. And also for me, my perspective as a pediatrician, a lot of teens, they kind of get into those habits where they're eating a lot of processed foods and they're very talented as athletes and they don't see the potential that they could have if they started eating a more anti-inflammatory diet because they haven't really been doing it. They've been doing fine with potato chips and, you know, eating Red Bulls and all of that all the time. So, so yeah, that would be really great to have that information to support other pediatricians and people that help teens in their athletic journeys. So I would love to know what are the biggest mistakes that athletes make in fueling themselves for their sport? Uh, we already touched on it a bit. You know, you mentioned it. Um, I really believe the fact that we focus too much on protein. You know, I'm not done playing the role of protein at all. Protein is obviously very important for everybody, especially for athletes. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, and I think that is the consensus, athletes need to have protein with every meal. So it is important. But whenever we are focusing on one single nutrient, it means we are probably eating less of the other nutrients and, you know, especially when it comes to protein, people, especially athletes, as you mentioned earlier, they really rely on animal products. And we know animal products come with saturated fat, hormones, antibiotics, heme iron, PMA, or, you know, with all these uh, undesirable ingredients that we do not want to have in our diet. And the other problem is people rely too much on protein powders. 
And that is actually a very common problem among vegan athletes because they believe that protein is the most important nutrient for athletes. So they take protein powders. And as a result, they're consuming less carbohydrates, for example, and they're getting less antioxidants, less anti-inflammatory compounds, and in some cases, even less of you know, all the other essential micronutrients. So I truly believe that we need to shift away from this nutritional reductionism and take a holistic approach to sports nutrition. You, you know, um, when it comes to training, we actually tailor our training to our sport and to our specific goals. And we need to do the same with our diet. We need to adjust our diet to our training. So it is really about eating the right foods at the right time. And on social media, I see a lot of posts, uh, you know, from amateur athletes or even people who just work out, you know, a few times a week. And they keep saying that they are adding protein powders to their breakfast, you know, to their porridge, for example. And I'm like, why? Why would you do that? You know, I, and I really believe that we need to pay attention to all macronutrients, not just protein. And athletes should also focus, you know, on eating the rainbow like everybody else. So moving away from the focus on one single nutrient, which is protein, and including all the other nutrients, I think that would help athletes quite a lot. I love that. Yeah. And that was actually one of my questions was protein powders because, oh my goodness, they are so popular right now. I, I, you literally cannot go anywhere without running into a protein powder. Like it's everywhere. Protein for everybody, for, for babies. They're like protein powders for everybody. I even saw one made for pregnant women. And so I'm just wondering, is it necessary for athletes to consume protein powders? And can athletes build muscle without using powders? Because obviously one of the sports that is very popular is just bodybuilding and building lots of muscles. So is it necessary to have protein powders for those sports? Hey, are you kind of curious about microgreens and including microgreens in your diet, but you're not sure where to start and you're not sure how to do it? I love my Hamama microgreen grower. It's so easy, it's so convenient. So this is how it works. Basically, they send you the kit and it has this little seed quilt, okay? And then you soak the seed quilt in the water and in a few days, you see your tiny little baby sprouts growing and a few days after that, you can start eating them and it's so fun. And you can tell them that you're eating them and they're really happy that you're eating them and your body's really happy that you're eating them. But here's the best part, because I've told y'all before, I'm lazy. So I don't wanna have to use any mental energy that I don't need to. And they send you seed quilts every month. So you don't run out, you can change what seed quilts you want to try. So here's some examples of some of the seed quilts they have. Hearty broccoli, refreshing cabbage, energizing kale, spicy daikon radish, super salad mix. You can even get wheatgrass, you can get culinary cilantro, or even hot wasabi mustard. So there's lots to choose from. They have different flavors. They're so cute and they're health promoting. So you can get a good dose of antioxidants and it's really beautiful. I also use them for garnish when I'm making soups and salads and different bowls. You can impress your guests. But like I said, it's going to be low 
energy cost on your part and it's actually not that expensive either. The other thing that I use from Hamama is a green onion growing kit, which is really cool because it can decrease your food waste. So you buy the green onions and then the little part that has the root, the white part at the bottom, you stick it in these little holes and then you just put the water in there and it grows and then you can keep eating the same green onions. You just go with your little scissors and you chop it off and you put it into your food. So if you wanna give it a try, you've been curious about microgreens and different ways that you can grow your own food, check out Hamama. You can find it in my show notes for a link to get 15% off, or you can go to dryami.com forward slash shop so that you can find the link and get 15% off your first order. Happy growing. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Do you love Veggie Doctor Radio, but you're sick of listening to ads? Join the Plantscription. The Plantscription is a monthly membership where you have access to ad-free episodes of Veggie Doctor Radio every week. But that's not all. You also have access to a monthly live Q&A with me and a monthly live book club. You also get access to writings and musings and free giveaways. It is such a great deal. Right now, it's only $5 a month to join the Planscription. If you want to join, go to planscription.substack.com or go to the show notes to follow the link. Join the Planscription today and join me in this plantastic community. Definitely not. But do athletes, bodybuilders take protein powders? Sadly, the majority does. You know, I actually worked as a PT for a while, and I know that the supplement industry is huge. And many fitness professionals actually get deals from supplement companies. And as a result, you see fitness professionals and athletes who promote these supplements. And I have spoken to many of these people, and they all agree with me that we do not need protein powders, but it is convenient. And that argument sounds a bit like promoting ready-made meals because they are convenient. Yes, they may be convenient, but they are not healthy. And when it comes to you know, protein powders, we simply don't have enough evidence you know, about the long-term impact of protein powders on our health. And athletes are usually ambitious people. They want to see progress. They don't want to slow down their performance. So they are very reluctant to try anything new. They are actually very reluctant to give up habits and practices that others are doing. And I think that is one of the reasons that the majority just continue taking protein powders. Now, when it comes to researching nutrition, as you know, it is very challenging to track what and how much people actually eat. And when it comes to protein intake and muscle building, the problem is they always use protein powders. Uh, and they need to do that, to be honest, because they want to make sure that all participants are getting you know, enough protein per kg body weight per day. So yes, we don't have any research on protein you know, kind of via food versus protein powders. But personally, I know a few vegan bodybuilders who don't take protein powders. I don't know if you're familiar with Will Tucker. He actually stopped taking protein powders when he became a you know, 
vegan bodybuilder and uh, he did quite well. He won some competitions. And I also believe Robert Chick doesn't use any protein powders because he doesn't tolerate them. So in a nutshell, I do believe we can build muscle without protein powders. Uh, but, you know, people continue doing it. Yeah. And I think that also one of the complicating factors is diet culture, because there's this idea that you have to have a certain amount per body weight, but then if you go into a calorie deficit, that you still need to have that amount. So everything else needs to go down. And in order to keep your calories low, the only way to make it work with a plant-based diet is to use protein powders. And so that's what I see the argument there being when people are trying to be in a calorie deficit for the cutting part or for people that are just trying to lose weight and maintain muscle mass. So I think it can be a pretty complex factor. I know myself, I cannot take the flavor of them. Like it makes me gag. And so I tried because my husband and I are both build, you know, working on building muscle. And he gets really jealous because he tells me that I can turn broccoli into muscle because I don't, I can't take them, but my muscles keep getting bigger. And so, hey, what am I going to say? It, it works. You could just eat food and you still build muscle. So. And it is expensive. You know, I see so many people complaining, you know, how expensive protein powders are. And I'm just like, but you don't need it. And let me get back to what you were saying that people who are actually in calorie deficit, and that is why they are taking protein powders. Who really needs that? Only professional bodybuilders who are actually going to compete at that level, not the average, you know, gym goer and even amateur athletes. And I just think, you know, we just continue the same uh, habits, the same things that we advise and tips that people have, we have heard. And it is really broad science. It's not really evidence-based science. And uh, it is just about, you know, just saying, okay, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to just eat food and try to get it via food. And it is possible. I really want to emphasize that. Thank you so much. What do you think athletes find easier than they thought? whenever they transition to a plant-based diet? Is there any aspect that athletes stress about that it's going to be so difficult, but it's actually not as difficult as they think? Well, uh, most athletes that I have worked with, they're actually surprised that they can eat more carbs. Or let's put it that way. They are surprised that the carbs they eat are also good protein sources. And, you know, the same foods that are, uh, you know, offering them, uh, you know, protein and carbs also provide them with the essential micronutrients, the nutrients which are of concern, you know, for athletes. So I think it's like kind of, you know, they're getting an excellent package deal. And it makes it so much easier for athletes to plan what they need to eat. And I personally don't believe in, you know, measuring macronutrients. Uh, and I believe one of the reasons why if people, you know, want to do that, it is much easier on a plant-based diet to do it just because, you know, the same sources of carbs offer good, you know, enough protein. So it just makes it easier to be honest. Yeah. So do you find that athletes that transition to a plant-based diet, they feel better fueled because they're eating more carbohydrates in general? Like, do they, do they feel like a better relationship with food? Because I know that, like you said before, there can be a lot of disordered eating among athletes, partly because of all the counting and measuring and all of that. Unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of confusion among athletes because, you know, especially when they transition from a non-vegan diet to a plant-based diet, so they are confused what they should eat. And they are even confused about, like you mentioned, ketogenic diet, if that is better. So they might actually try, they, go, they may go plant-based, but they may try actually a high-fat diet. 
Uh, so it is a lot of confusion, a lot of noise out there. So unfortunately, when they go plant-based, they don't necessarily feel better straight away unless they have done their research or they are working with a nutritionist, with a sports nutritionist, and they know what they should be eating and how much they should be eating. Uh, then, yes, they will definitely see the benefits and they do feel better. Uh, one group that you know usually says they are seeing the benefits are endurance athletes because obviously they need a high carbohydrate diet and it's just so easy to have a high carbohydrate, you know, when you are a plant-based uh, eater. Well, that's good to know, which is why it's very important that you have developed this course so that athletes can get the information without having to waste a lot of time going around in circles. Talk to me about supplements. Are there any supplements that you find are essential for plant-based athletes? Well, you know, as you know, the one supplement that all vegans need to take is B12, and that applies to vegan athletes. Then again, vitamin D, depending on where uh, you know you live you need to have it and it doesn't matter whether you are uh, vegan or non-vegan now with athletes i would add that you know even if you live in the sunny california but you are training indoors all day you still need to take a vitamin d and again it, it doesn't matter whether you are vegan or non-vegan then we have iodine and omega-3 i don't necessarily believe that uh, athletes need to take supplements because um they usually consume a lot of natural sources of omega-3, like flax seeds, chia seeds, hemp seeds, you know, good sources of protein as well. So I don't think that they need to take an omega-3 supplement. And then when it comes to iodine, that is the only time I actually recommend iodized salt because, um, you know, just um, half a teaspoon or maybe just a little bit less than a teaspoon provides a daily recommended iodine. And we know that athletes lose quite a bit of salt during training. So this way, with you know, having iodized salt, they can get sodium and iodine. And we were talking about coaches earlier. Many coaches actually recommend athletes to consume chips, pretzels after training. So I think it's much easier and healthier to have iodized salt and a baked potato. I think that's a much healthier alternative. So plant-based athletes don't really need any other supplements as long as they are consuming enough calories. And the majority of their calories come from whole plant food. Yes, and I think that a baked potato with iodized salt sounds way more filling than a handful of pretzels for sure. So what are the signs that a plant-based athlete is not thriving? And the number one reason that the performance of any athlete, again, vegan or non-vegan, is suffering is not consuming enough calories. We have had plenty of studies looking at the calorie intake of athletes, and they all confirm that the majority of athletes are actually not satisfying their increased energy requirements. And of course, that's an even bigger problem for plant-based athletes because of the low calorie density of plant foods. And all athletes I have worked with who you know, complain of not having enough energy or not seeing any progress in their training, and so far it has always been because of inadequate calorie intake. So if any athlete who is listening to our conversation and they feel that they, you know, they may be not eating enough or they feel like you know, their, their performance is not as good as they, uh, it used to be, they should either consult a sports nutritionist or you know, they can start tracking their food intake on one of the available apps like Fitness Pal, for example. And this way they can see, you know, are they actually consuming enough calories? And insuffic uh, insufficient calorie consumption is really the number one reason for reduced performance. So yeah, that is something to look out for. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's easier than some people think to undereat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not for me, though, because I I can eat good. But like this happened to my husband who he, you know, he's a hobby athlete and he loves hiking 
and mountain biking and skiing, but he wants to do like the eight hour hikes and all of those things. So he was finding that his performance with weightlifting, he wasn't making much progress, but I knew that he was not fueling himself properly. You know, he felt like he was full enough, but he wasn't doing it in a way because of the way that he was doing his, all of his cardiovascular sports stuff. He wasn't doing it in a way that was helping him. So of course I'm his wife. So, you know, that the recommendations are best come from somebody else. So I, I paired him up with a sports nutritionist who got him on board. That's when he started using protein powders, but he only uses it once a day. And mainly it's because he does have trouble getting enough calories for the big demand for some of these things that he does, which is like two days of backpacking and all of this stuff. So for some people, if they're not sure, they're not making progress or not feeling good, they're feeling really tired at the end of the things that they feel like they shouldn't, it is worth taking a look at your intake, hopefully not in a diety way, but more in a, in a curious way to get the information so that you know whether maybe you need to start fueling yourself in a different way. One of the things he wasn't doing also was fueling himself during his activity. Like he felt like he just had to wait till after. And so then he started fueling during his activities as well. And I think that helped a lot too. Yeah, and that is actually very important. And, you know, I think a lot of times people, athletes actually underestimate how many calories they are burning when they are, you know, physically active. And as you say, consuming something, eating something while you are, you know, active is very important, especially if you're, you know, training more than an hour or, you know, hiking for more than an hour, you need to have something continue. What do you wish more people knew? You know, I wish we all uh, would be more aware of the impact of um, small daily steps. You know, if we take a small step every day, it can really have a huge impact on our lives, on our health, on, you know, on our um, overall well-being and success. Uh, For example, if you don't have time to go to the gym and work out, why not just do a 10-minute session in your living room? Or if you feel like, you know, you don't even have time to do that at home or you're not kind of inspired enough, motivated enough to do it at home and or you just don't feel you know fit enough to do it, then just take the stairs instead of the lift. So or even if you want to eat a healthier diet and you don't have time to cook or you don't know where to start, just start by, you know, making one small change. For example, having one more you know, piece of food per day. That is already a progress. And these small daily steps will gradually actually develop into new habits and results. I don't know if you're familiar with James Clear. He's the author of Atomic Habits. And he says, just try to be and do 1% better every day. And then soon you will actually accomplish what may seem impossible today. So I think really the importance of small daily action steps. I love that for sure, because that's achievable for everybody. You know, you don't have to make this monumental change overnight. Most people aren't going to be able to sustain that. It's going to feel overwhelming. They're going to get discouraged. So making these small steps can really add up to a big difference. Do you have a morning routine? And if so, what is it? Yes, I do. I actually like to start the day with some sort of exercise. Now, uh, most days I actually work out in the morning. I focus on, I do Kung Fu, so I focus on my Kung Fu training. But even when, uh, you know, I'm taking a day off for whatever reason, or if I don't have time, I always make sure to do like a 10 to 15 minutes of stretching. It's almost like my meditation. And I had a, when I was doing karate, I had a sense there. He used to say, let's get rid of these cobwebs. And I really believe that, you know, in the morning, moving our bodies, our joints, getting the blood flowing, all of that. You know, it gives you an energy boost. And 
personally, it really helps me to start the day and face the day, you know, whatever comes my way. Love it. Yeah, I agree. I'm a morning exerciser as well. And you're physically getting that blood flow to your brain as well, which helps wake you up and make you alert and also gives you that positivity to face your day. Even if you know you're going to have a long, grueling day, you're, you're feeling more positive. You're feeling more energetic, ready to tackle the day. So that's great. Okay. I'd love to know if you could tell us again where we can connect with you and when you think the course will be available and all of the details on that. Uh, thank you for asking. Uh, I have a website. It is drleilad.com, uh, but I'm also active on social media, both on Instagram and Facebook. My Instagram handle is plantpowered underscore chi. And the course, we are just, uh, you know, doing some last minute tweaks. So hopefully soon, I really hope that we can actually launch it once at least this year before the end of the year and then next year it will continue people are you know uh, should uh, just sign up to my newsletter and as soon as we launch it i will notify everybody okay perfect all right one last tip so i know we talked a little bit about kids but in my podcast most of my listeners are parents as well so give me one tip for busy families that have budding athletes in their school years what can parents do to support their athletic children in eating more plant-based foods oh, that's a great question and yes it is really important for children and young adults who are into sports to start eating healthy you know plant-based diet as soon as possible because that is what is going to support their training now as we mentioned you mentioned it actually earlier most of them you know, eat a processed diet. And that is because they get their nutrition tips from fellow athletes, from fitness magazines. And unfortunately, these tips are usually more broad science than evidence-based science. And at that stage, you know, children are not going to listen to their parents, but they will listen to other athletes, especially successful athletes. And my advice is, you know, to parents is find and introduce a professional plant-based athlete to your child. And luckily, there are many plant-based athletes from different backgrounds you know, who are doing different, you know, they're engaging in different sports disciplines. So you can find someone who is from, you know, your background, from your ethnic background, doing the same sport your child is interested. And then your child sees that, you know, someone who looks like them has achieved great athletic success on a plant-based diet. You know, they are going to be open uh, to that advice and they are more open to actually eating a plant-based diet. So I think representation is really important, having role models. That works much better with uh, children than, as you said, you know, we rarely listen to advice coming from our own family members. Absolutely. I think that's, I think that's the rule of thumb. As I said before, it's a little bit difficult whenever your parent or your spouse is the one trying to tell you something. But I think that's great advice because children do look up to these professional athletes and there's some really amazing, also just kind and open-hearted plant-based professional athletes out there showing them how they can do it both to maybe align with their ethics or their views on planetary health, but also for their own health and to keep themselves strong. So I think that's amazing advice. Well, Dr. Layla Dagan, thank you so much for coming back on Veggie Doctor Radio. Congratulations on your course. I can't wait till it launches. And I know it's going to help so many people. So appreciative of the evidence base to help athletes that want to go plant-based or want to include more plant-based foods into their diet. So I appreciate you so much. And I hope that you have a very plantastic day. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show again. 
Hey, veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day.